let's do what we always do. I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give us some love. Awesome job. Awesome job. Well, hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Tony. And while your hands are still kind of warmed up, let's welcome everybody who's going to be watching later this week online. We're fired up that you're here with us, too. No joke. Uh, last week, I literally had a few people message me going, hey, I watch this service every single week. Thanks so much for making me feel included. So way to go, church. Way to make everybody feel like they belong here. Well, like Sam said, we're starting a brand new series this week. It's a four-week series throughout the month of June. And it's called These Are My People. And the reason that we're doing this series is really to kind of put some emphasis on one of our core values as a church, which is we do life together. We actually do life together. And these are our people right here in our county, our region, and this area. And so we're just so excited about it. But one of the things that Sam also mentioned is this piggyback on the series that we're doing called CSKO. And I just really want to make sure that you know that these are some of the best nights planned of the summer, in my opinion. We have a block party starting next Sunday night that you're just going to want to be a part of. We have over a half a dozen bounce houses that are going to be, you know, right outside here in the evening. We have a free meal for every single person who comes. That was just going to be a blast. Ryan's going to be, you know, building the stage out there in the in kind of the commons area um, of the grass, and he's going to be mixing music, having some fun so the kids can dance, and there's going to be a dunk tank with Buddy in it, you know, the big dog costume, and so it's just going to be a blast. Uh, we actually, we haven't told that guy yet, so <laughs> now he knows, but it's just going to be an absolute blast, and we don't think you should miss it, and so each night there's going to be a ton of fun stuff. Sam mentioned that we're having a comedian here for Father's Day, and let me just throw my two cents on that. I think there's this trend in churches where Mother's Day, we celebrate them, we give flowers, you know, it's all cute and fun, and, and we all cry because we love our moms so much, and Father's Day is usually a day where we kind of beat up dads, and we're writing a different story. We want to celebrate dads, have some fun, and we think there's nothing better than laughing with your people, that that actually fills your soul in a way that nothing else can, and so we think uh, having somebody come who's going to make us laugh, have a good time, and really do a service that uh, won't be one that you will be able to forget for a long time, will be really special. We're going to rent out the pool on the final uh, Sunday of, uh, of June, which is going to be a blast, and we think we're going to gain some traction with this value of we do life together. And we're really excited about that. Um, real quickly though, before we dive in, I wanted to do a quick survey because I know for me that I love being around my people. And so I thought it'd be helpful if I knew what type of people we have gathered here. So by like hand clapping, or maybe some of you who are really ambitious, you know, give me a little shout. But I wanna see what type of people you are. Uh, put it up on the screen here. How many of you are Hawkeye people? Let me hear you. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> It's going to be tough for the Hawkeye people, not to the boo, for the Cyclones people. Let me hear you. Any? Oh, <laughs> we know who's here. Um, how about this one? Uh, how many of you are beach people? Let me hear you. Who's a beach person? Yeah, that's me too. How many of you are mountain people? Yeah, that, you guys all have beards, all right? This one's a personal thing for me. How many of you are minivan people? And don't shy back. Give yourself some pride, minivan people. How many of you are SUV people? Come on. <laughs> that was my personal favorite. Uh, how about, uh, this is kind of the nerdy one, how many of you are kind of PC uh, Windows people? You know, a few. How many of you are Mac people? All right, yeah. And then, this is, I just put this one in for me because I'm looking for friends always. All right, the last one's for, I need to know if we can really hang out with each other. How many of you are the best football team in America's people? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> For those watching online, it's like, 
Nope, <laughs> we're not. We're, who are those guys? You know. Anyways, I mean, the truth is, there's something to being around your people, isn't it? I mean, we love it when we connect with people, and 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 I found if you don't know who your people are, if you don't have you know, your people, you really have a sense of loneliness and you miss out on belonging, but the flip side is just as true. When you know who your people are, there's a sense of belonging that happens, a sense of trust and security that we do life together that is just so huge, and so we are so excited about doing this, and I'm telling you what, I can remember back in my life in the back of the last few years where I've felt so close to my people. One of the memories that comes to mind every time when I talk about something like this is being with my college roommates. I went to school up in the Twin Cities and had some of the best roommates ever imaginable. They were three guys who loved God, which was just so fun because we were all pursuing Jesus with everything we got. They were the three starting basketball players on the team. You know, there's a couple other guys, but I was lucky enough to room with three of the starting five basketball players for our college, which just meant they were crazy athletic. They had more talent than I could ever dream of. And I remember playing pickup basketball downtown Minneapolis, just, you know, having so much fun. I just passed the ball to those guys, let them do their thing. And we had so much fun, and they were crazy. Man, if you remember college, you remember doing just the dumbest stuff in the whole world. And one of my roommates was named Mike. He was six foot six, just this giant guy. And he was just nuts. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, all your moms who send kids off to college wish that, you know, you wouldn't get roommate with Mike. But Mike was the guy who had the crazy ideas. It, one day, I just remember, like it was yesterday, it was torrential downpour outside Minneapolis, just pouring and Mike walks into the room after class, and he goes, hey, everybody, we're going mudsliding. And we're like, what is, you know, what is mudsliding? And he goes, you don't have to ask. He's like, grab a trash bag and a towel and hop in my car. And we're just kind of like, I mean, these were our people, so we just went with Mike. We said, all right, Mike, as long as you're driving to a place called mudsliding, I don't really care. And so we hop in his car. We take off about a mile or so down the road, call up some of our friends, and we meet Mike you know, at this giant hill that goes into a ditch. And the ditch by now is, you know, has two or three feet of water standing. I mean, it is just pouring down. And as our friends kind of pull up to join us, uh, Mike goes, just watch, because we're all wondering, like, what do we do, you know? And he pokes his head through the trash bag, gets his arms out, and now he's just this giant of a man. You know, the trash bag honestly went to his waist. You know, for those of us who aren't 6'6", it went down to our knees. But this guy was nuts, and, and we're going, what do you do? And he goes, just watch. And he takes off in a full sprint from the parking lot to this hill, and you see this mammoth of a man go flying in the air, going vertical down into this hill, and he starts sliding, and mud is going everywhere. I mean, it is just crazy. It's about 20 or 30 yards of a hill, this giant hill, and then you see just this wake of water, like, you know, it's just nuts. And at that moment, me and those guy roommates were like, this is heaven. You know, like, this is the best thing ever. These are my people. And we spent literally the next hour of our lives in torrential downpour, going, sliding down this thing. All of us had to burn our clothes. They were so bad. And we were lucky to ride back in Mike's car, which is the good thing. But it was so good to be with our people, to have fun, to laugh, and to just feel like there was a sense of belonging. A couple years later, I proposed to my wife, Carrie, and uh, my fiance at the time, and, and we got married, and on my bachelor party, these three guys stood up with me. And I remember, you know, uh, that evening as we were partying, having fun, that it was just, it was a no-brainer for us that we were going to, we were going to play sports, we were going to have fun, we were going to play basketball, and I like to play pickup ball, and, 
and we just had a blast. But I remember uh, in the evening, our bachelor party, kind of it switching, and it's different for some of you, but I don't really care because I was with my people. Uh, they decided that they wanted to pray for me and Carrie. And so I had about 15 guys that were there with us, and after we, you know, were sweating and having fun for a couple hours, just, you know, goofing around, we all just went into another room, and they prayed over me. They prayed for Carrie. Uh, she was with her girlfriends doing, who knows what she was doing, you know, I was over there praying, you know. And, and then one guy, one guy brought out his guitar, and we sang. And that might sound so dorky to you, but I spent the night before my wedding day praising God, hanging out with my people, and it was one of the greatest memories of my entire life, being with my people. It was awesome. I, I was in some of their weddings, and it was just great, and now as time's kind of grown on, they're up in the city still, I'm down here, but I've learned that your people kind of change as you do life. Uh, now some of my people are, are my staff. I mean, me, Ryan, Sam, uh, Jordan, and Lucas, and some of these guys who are just such great guys, and, and as we build our team, these are my people. I spend so much time with them in the office, and I love, love, love them with all my heart. I also have great neighbors. They're my people. We all have little kids, all have swing sets, all have little pools, you know, and these are our people we hang out with, and I got a big question for you. Do you have people? Do you have people in your life? Just yesterday, we were doing the uh, summer classic stuff down on the square, and a handful of times, Micah, my five-year-old, would look up at me and go, Daddy, they go to City Point. And I go, that's right. And they go to City Point, too, and they're in my class, and I go, awesome, that's so cool. And you want to know what she was saying? She was saying, those are our people. And so kind of biggie for the morning is this. Whether you've been here for two weeks or 20 months, it's honestly my heart that you would start to feel like these are our people. That these people in these walls are our people. That there's a sense of pride, sense of, yeah, you go there, are you kidding me? Yeah, we do this together, we do life together. And it fuels me for what we do here is this belonging, this sense of we're included and there's, there's this ongoing drive to make sure that everyone in our county, everyone in our region, doesn't matter you know, kind of who you are, that you're involved here, that you have a sense of belonging, but if we in this room don't ever find ourselves connecting, don't ever find ourselves having stories to tell, being able to point at each other, you know, when we see each other and go, yeah, I think they go, and, and being able to connect, then we really miss out on one of our values and on an important thing that I think God wants for each and every one of us, a sense of belonging. So that's what I want to do during this series. There's actually two phrases that we use all the time around here that help drive this thing forward. One of the big phrases is this, that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, you're welcome here. It doesn't matter. Kind of a, a biggie for us is this idea that it doesn't really matter if you're a minivan person or an SUV person, you are welcome here. It doesn't really matter if you're a Mac or a PC person, you belong here. Thank goodness you don't have to just be a Cowboys fan or we wouldn't have a church. And I'm just going, it doesn't really matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you. You're welcome right here. Another phrase that we share a lot is this one, that it's okay to belong before you believe. It's okay to belong even before you believe. And that's some of your stories. Some of your stories are, you know what, I'm just checking things out. 
and we want you to feel like there's a sense of belonging, even for you, even as you're taking steps. You know, I think there's an enormous amount of courage on the end of people who don't really go to church or maybe they've walked away from church in the past who are going, you know, I'm just going to try it out. I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to go and I'm going to see if I'm welcome. I'm going to see if I'm included. And I'm telling you what, when people belong, even before they believe, it's huge for them. Now, the big question also kind of is poised this, is who actually does belong? Well, the answer that we find in Scripture and the answer that makes us, you know, just drives us to keep doing church is everyone belongs. Everyone belongs. It doesn't matter who you are, you belong. Everyone in our city, our county, our region actually belongs, and it's what drives us to continue to create a church that reaches more and more people for Jesus. It's not so much about the number, it's about making sure that everyone, you know, in our kind of circle of influences feels like they can belong, feel like they can be a part of something, that they can, you know, discover a relationship with God, one that's authentic, real, and that they can move forward with God, and we love that, and we think it's God's heartbeat, too, that everyone would belong. One of the most famous verses in the scriptures is John three sixteen. It says this, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, and I'm gonna need your help, everybody kind of read this next underlined word with me, so that everyone, so that everyone, every single person, everyone would belong. It says, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This was giant for me when I understood that God loved everyone and that there's a gift to be shared with everyone. So who's our people? Everyone's our people. And we gotta make sure that we continually gain this sense of community in here so that people out there go, man, I wanna be a part of that. And so when they try it out, they go, no way, I actually belong. I don't even, not even sure if I really believe yet, but man, these people inside this church, they really, they accept me, they welcome me. I mean, it's one of the reasons that we bust our, you know, ourselves to make sure that the guest services here are top-notch. It's one of the reasons that we have, in my opinion, one of the greatest kids' ministries out there. It's because we really do care that when people give church a shot, that they feel like they belong, that they're cared for. It's why we tear down and set up every single morning. It's why we work so hard during the middle of the week to provide worship services, messages that relate. And I'm telling you what, we believe that it's God's heartbeat that everyone would be included. And so we work really hard at that to make sure that there's spaces for people to do that. Now, friends, I'm telling you what, there's also another scripture on Matthew 22 that kind of drives this home. Jesus was actually in a conversation with some religious leaders who were trying to corner him and kind of push him into an answer where they think that they would kind of trick him and maybe prove that he wasn't God. They, they really, literally asked him this question, uh, what's the greatest commandment in all the Bible? They're trying to make Jesus, you know, slip up. And, and Jesus responds in a real simple way in Matthew 22 with this idea, love God and love people. He responds, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Some of you guys know the scripture. And then he says, you gotta love your neighbor. You gotta love people. Love God Love people. So friends, I'm telling you what. As a church, the big driver for us today is how do you do that? How do you really make sure that people belong at you know, your church? How do you really make sure that as a community here, 
that we continue to reach out, well, I think the answer is you got to love. You got to have a sense of love and care that welcomes people in who maybe get pushed out other places. And we think it's a crying shame that people within a golf shot of this facility are still uninvited, unincluded. And so we're just driving this thing going this month. We got to up this idea of these are our people making sure that everybody's included in on this thing. Uh, for the rest of our time, though, I want to share three thoughts, three ways to really kind of love people, loving our people. And so if you want to take notes, we know it's a blank page here. But the first idea is this. You love with time. How do you make sure people are loved? How do you love the people in your life? How do you, you know, gain this sense of these are our people? Well, the truth is you love, but you love practically with time. You spend time with people. You love them. It's one of the reasons why we're doing these, you know, these kind of parties, these events, is to spend some time with people that we love. And we see this model with Jesus. See, Jesus was, you know, always going somewhere, but he was never hurried. He was always doing something, but he was never rushed. This is just kind of Jesus' style was to create time to interact with people. In Luke chapter 5, we actually read about a story where Jesus was teaching a crowd. You kind of imagine this sort of setting with a packed house. I mean, the whole place is packed and, and standing room only. And he's teaching this crowd, and it's just phenomenal. Like Jesus did, he was telling stories, and people were, you know, just drawn in. And there was a couple buddies who had a friend of theirs who was paralyzed. And they wanted to, you know, bring their paralyzed friend up to Jesus because they knew that if they could, you know, have a conversation with Jesus, ask Jesus to heal this guy, that there might be a chance for this guy to, you know, have a breakthrough moment. And so they show up, they hear Jesus is at this crowd, and so they kind of look in and they go, oh man, there's no way we're going to be able to carry Frank, you know, all the way up to the front of this thing. And so they're going, ah, and you, know, and you just imagine Jesus is teaching, he, he knows what's going on, he's in the point one of his message, you know, and it's going, and these guys go, forget it plan b and so they climb up to the top of the roof now imagine this they climb up to the top of the roof and they start ripping shingles off figure out a way to jimmy rig this guy onto a mat and they start lowering the guy down imagine just the guy lowering himself down you know with his buddies and land himself right in front of jesus now this is nuts the story actually reads this way in luke chapter 5 it says this they couldn't reach jesus because of the crowd so they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, I, again, I just imagine, you know, thank goodness I'm not Jesus, or I'd been like, you got to be kidding me. This is point one of my message. It's a brand new series. You know, like I'm just thinking of the things that I would say. I'd be like, seriously, you couldn't wait like another 20 minutes? I mean, he's been paralyzed for a long time. Could he not? I mean, I'm going to be out there. I'll be shaking your hands. You know, we're going to do that in just a minute. But like, you had to, it's a brand new building. You had to rip the roof off. You know, if I was Jesus, I would have been like, give me a break. But Jesus never operated like that. The truth is, he took time. In the middle of his teaching to the crowd that was gathered around him, Jesus took time to have a conversation with this guy. He didn't hurry. He actually forgives him of all his sins. And then a few verses after this, in verse 24, he says this, Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. You're good. But he spent time with the guy. See, he was always doing something, but he was never rushed. You actually read in a couple chapters after Luke chapter 5 and chapter 8 that Jesus is on the road. He's, he has to be somewhere to help somebody else out when a woman who had been 
sick for years, tugs at his robe. And he's on, I mean, he's got to go and help somebody else out. But this woman who reaches out, has been bleeding and just is hurting on the inside, uh, reaches out in desperation and grabs on. And she has this conversation with Jesus. And, and you would imagine if I was Jesus, I'd be like, I'm busy. I'm already, I'm already being asked to go somewhere else. But he, in the middle of his route, stops, notices this woman who is just desperately in need of his time. And he heals her. He doesn't get stressed out that he has somewhere else to be. He takes time for this woman. And it's something that I know I need to work on. And I wonder if you do too. Taking time for your people. Truth is, I'm reminded of a a conversation I had with Carrie a while ago now. Um, In the Quad Cities is where Carrie's folks live. And we go there, you know, to drop off the kids whenever we need maybe a night away. You know, we'll go and drop off the kids and then we'll kind of go out and just reconnect and it's just a great kind of date night deal. It's not too far away, an hour and 15 minutes. And, and there was a season, I remember this really clearly, where um, I get so excited for the weekend when we were going to go do this. And I'd, we'd pack up the kids. I'd actually help pack up the kids. You know, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do. Let's get them in the suburban. Let's go, baby. And we'll go and we'll drop the kids off you know, and then leave, you know, back away, and then we'll leave the mess with grandma, and I distinctly remember uh, a couple times doing this, you know, getting to her parents' house, dropping the kids off, and literally almost being rude, wanting to leave so quickly, and Carrie called me on it. She said, hey, Tony, you know, you kind of seem like a jerk. These are my parents, and they're watching our kids, and the minute you show up, you, you just gonna flip a switch and you want to leave just as quickly. And it just dawned on me, her parents, even though they're my in-laws, you know, they're my people. And they need to know that I love them by spending time with them. One last story on this point was a week and a half ago, I took our staff up to, uh, to a conference in Minneapolis. And it was this leadership church conference. It was great and it was so inspiring And I don't know if you've been to conferences where you just get poured into it, almost like you're drinking a fire hose of content. And usually you'll grab a nugget or two by the end of the trip, you know, the end of the conference, well, mine happened within the first few minutes. And I was wrecked the rest of the time. The guy who opened up the keynote speaker was talking to to leaders who have families. And he was saying, he's like, the truth is, he said, I, he goes, I get this. He's like, most leaders nowadays want to drive around, you know, in life like they're Corvettes, like they're sports cars. They got these big engines, you know, they're filled up with vision and passion and energy. And they just want to take off and get places. And then he asked the question, he goes, but how many people can you bring in a sports car? Can you bring your family in that? And it just sank in me. And I'm like, oh, man, that's my life. I want to go, baby. I want to, like, fire up the engine. Let's race on. And then he said something. I was like, oh, that's so Iowa. He goes, I wonder how many of you in the room need to switch this mindset of driving race cars to driving tractors. And I'm like, oh, man, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. And he's like driving. He's like, the engine in a tractor is huge. You can pull the moon with those things. So the truth is you'll go slower, but you'll be able to take your family with you. And what spoke to me in that moment was everything within me goes, I want to go fast, I want to go forward, I want to... And I felt like God was saying, but you need to slow down. 
You need to make sure you spend time with the people that are in your life. They're your people. Spend time with them. I don't know if that is for you like it was for me. But the first way that you love your people, the first way we gotta make sure that people are cared for is you gotta love them. The second way is this, you gotta love them with touch. Love them with touch. Now some of you are like, oh man, I don't know about that, dude. Well, let me just make this really clear. I think there's appropriate touch and inappropriate touch. The truth is there's six people who have kissing rights with me, all right? Six people only. That's, none of you are included, all right? My wife, my four girls, and I still don't understand why Grandma Whittle loves to lay them on me, but she does. You know, this old woman just, you know, I'm like, ah, it still creeps me out, but I wish she would have stopped when I was like 10, but she just kept on going, you know, 30 years plus, and she's still smacking them on me. But there's appropriate touch that really does fuel this sense of love. I remember my junior year of college, getting a phone call from my best friend in Waterloo. He's actually the guy who led me towards Christ, you know, pointed me towards him. And his family was influential, and his mom and dad had just called him in and said, you know what, we're getting a divorce. And it wrecked him. I mean, his, this like took him by storm. He's like, what in the world? I didn't expect this. And he calls me, I mean, we were best friends. He calls me, and he's just crying. 20 years old. And he doesn't really have any stable ground to, you know, place his feet. He's just weak in the knees. I can just sense it on his voice and streams of tears. And he's just weeping on the phone. And I just knew in that moment I needed to go. I was up in the Twin Cities and I just told him I'll be there in a couple hours. I'll be there with you. And I drove down to Waterloo. And I'm telling you what, I called him. He came outside and we didn't have to say a word. He just needed me to hug him. And I spent about 15 minutes hugging this guy. And I'm telling you what, I just, it was one of those moments that you're just going, oh man, those are my people. When people experience hurts or joys, when you, when you really need this sense of these are my people, there's some element of time, there's some element of touch where you just, it's a high five, you know, a fist pound, a side hug. You know, again, six people have kissing rights with me, but I'm telling you what, a hug goes a long way. A high five does, a handshake. These are big, big deals. And I'm telling you what, Jesus was the master at this. He touched people who needed touched. We actually read in Matthew chapter eight of a story where there was a guy who had leprosy. And I've told you this story a little bit before, but leprosy in, in, in kind of Bible times was this disease that would cause your body to just decay. You get weak and your face would deform and you actually you're, the sores of pus would develop and they burn and, and at times your fingers would even fall off and you'd have limbs going bad. It's just horrible, horrible disease. And what was known if you had leprosy is you were an outcast. You were untouchable. You were, you were actually told that if somebody who didn't have the disease was going by you, you'd have to actually yell out, I am unclean, I am untouchable, stay away. Well, Jesus interacted with one of those people. And I'll just tell you what it reads in Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. It says, a man with leprosy approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. This has impacted my life so much. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Remember this. He reached out his hand and touched the man. He says, I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And we celebrate that story. I love that story. 
The man was clean. I, I love that. But the truth is, I wonder that why did Jesus have to touch the guy? I wonder that. Because there was plenty of times where Jesus would speak something and people would be healed. He had the power to literally speak the world into existence. I think he could have looked at the guy and go, I don't know if I want to touch you, but be healed and do that. I've learned this, though. I've learned this phrase, and I'm just going to read it. Maybe Jesus touched the man because he didn't just need healing from a disease. Maybe the man needed healing from his rejection. And love was the only thing that would do that. Touch was the only thing. Maybe the, the thing that he needed in addition to being healed from his disease was love in the midst of his rejection that he had been, you know, received for so many years. I'm untouchable, I'm unclean. And I wonder if you're in the room and you could use that too. Somebody to put an arm around you and let you know that it's gonna be all right. A high five or a handshake on the way out would just be the very thing that you need to make you feel included, loved on. And I'm telling you what, I think we do a great job of that, and I want to just beg you to keep that up. Because people feel like they belong when they're touched, when they have time spent with them. And the third thing that we're going to dive in today is, the last thing is, when they're loved by telling them about Jesus. And flesh this out, I think if all we do is spend time with others, and, you know, we, we encourage them, and we, you know, make them feel included by, you know, touching them in the right ways, and really kind of building this sense of community, but we miss out on telling them about Jesus. I feel like we miss out on the whole ball game. because the truth is the most loving thing that we could do for our people, the people in our lives, is to tell them about Jesus. It's to tell them about the hope, and the joy, and the forgiveness, and the purpose that's found in him. See, the same guy that I drove three and a half hours down to hug him, my best friend, was the same guy who told me a few years earlier about faith in Christ. I had tried everything, friends. 16 years old, typical high school kid. You know, it wasn't crazy stuff, but I literally had tried everything to kind of fill my life up with some sense of purpose and direction. I mean, I dabbled in everything, and I found myself empty every time. And it wasn't until this guy named Jason had the courage to tell me about his faith in Jesus that I learned that I can have hope and purpose in life because of him, because of Christ and friends, I wonder if that's what you came here to hear. That one of the most loving things that you could do for your neighbor, your coworker, your family member or friend is to tell them about Jesus, to make sure that they know that they're included. I mean, one of the ways that we do that around here is just to make sure that they know they're invited to belong right here. I've actually found in my own life and in the stories that I've heard around here is somebody taking a shot, inviting a friend, and as they come, it kind of stirs something within them. I mean, a lot of people leave here going, that was just for me. It felt like, you know, it felt like the music was just for me. The message was just for me. And they leave, and it stirs conversation in the office, in their home, at their dinner table, that they never would have had if they didn't have the courage to just take a shot, invite and tell people about Christ. It's the most loving thing that you could do, and I'm telling you what, 
It's a story that has been told many times here. A couple weeks ago, we did a baptism service. And it was one of the best things in the whole world, seeing people who have stepped over the faith line go public in their, you know, in their faith by getting baptized. And one of the ladies that got baptized was Ronette. Ronette is a great friend. She's just so fun to be around. And it was because a friend had the courage to tell her about Jesus that she got invited. I want to read you her story as we wrap things up this morning. She says, my upbringing was hard. By age 13, I was raising myself, and I had learned that if I wanted something, that I'd have to work for it myself. I was raised in a home where we didn't attend church. You know, mom did her best to pass down what faith that she had by making sure we didn't use the Lord's name in vain, and occasionally we'd say a prayer before dinner time, but that was really all the exposure that I had. She writes that my first marriage ended in divorce. It was hard. However, my ex-husband's mom would take our two kids to church on Sundays, but I still blew it off. I was always too busy from working one of my three jobs or resting from the crazy week. And in February 2013, things went from hard to really, really hard. My dad passed away. Six months later, I lost my mom, and I was devastated. And I remember being sure that God was punishing me. She just had this major loss in her life. Eight months after losing my mom, I lost my step, stepdad as well. He was the man who raised me and my brother when he didn't have to, who called us his when he didn't have to. My world was in shambles, she writes. In a matter of 14 months, I lost all my parents and what little faith that I had. You catch this, a little over six months ago, after listening to a friend share about City Point and the experience that she was having there, I decided to give it a shot, to try church again. I remember telling her the first time that she asked me to come to church that I was too angry, that I wasn't about to deal with people who were judgy or rude. Side note, we can't ever let that happen here. Where we start looking down the barrels of our noses at people, we gotta be a place that says it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done or what's been done to you, you're welcome right here because God desperately cares about Ronette. He desperately cares about you and me and we can't let judgy or rude be the stigma of the church anymore. It makes me sick. Goes on to say she asked me to just trust her I mean, this friend had such courage. Just trust me. She said, basically, just trust my church. Just trust us. She says, City Point is different, and it's okay to come angry that I just needed to check it out. Then she writes this. She said, I came my first Sunday, and I've never looked back. City Point is the first church that I've ever attended outside of a wedding or a funeral. My first Sunday, I was in tears. I felt like the service was just for me, and I've realized through the sermons, music, and people, I've realized through the people at my church that a relationship with God is exactly what I need and want in my life. And she looks at us and we look at her and we look at each other and we go, these are our people. They're my people, they're your people, and there's others that haven't been included and invited yet. And we gotta make sure 
that when they show up, we got to make sure when they give it a try that they're welcomed in, that we're a place where they can belong even before they leave. I think you're with me. I think it's going to be a great series. These are my people. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to build our muscles in the value of we do life together so that we continue to reach, know each other, and make a difference in the lives of people that we so desperately love. I want to ask you to stand, and then we'll pray, and we'll sing a song to wrap us up. God, thanks so much for today. Thanks so much for our church. God, we love you. We're grateful for what you're doing. And God, I ask in these next few moments that you'd bring people to mind who need to be included, that you'd bring people to mind who need to be brought in. And God, that you'd help us all in this room to look around and go, these are my people. These are the people that I can laugh with, cry with, and worship God with. Thanks so much, God, for loving us. We pray this in your name. Amen. You guys can sing out with us.